0: Hey what's up and welcome to Serious Issues, we are a weekly, weekly comic book podcast Recorded usually live from uh, King's Comics in Sydney Uh, And this week we are not, in fact, we is very different It's me, Andrew Levin's regular host, but my other co-host, Siobhan Coombs Unfortunately is not with me, I'm in Canberra, she's on holiday Somewhere I think a little bit nicer than Canberra, but you know what Canberra's, it's right. Dude,
2: come on Canberra Okay, did you not watch the promotional videos, man? Like, no, I'm with segway you. <laughs> <here. Yeah. laughs> okay, okay. It's
0: a terrible place. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm at a, uh, a conference called Junket, which is uh, run by Junkie Media, and uh, it features a hundred ish great young minds coming together to talk about incredibly big issues. Obviously, this does not mean what we say issues, we're not talking about comic books. But I thought in Siobhan's place, I would find three excellent women who love comic books. And uh, I managed to find one with a Zelda tattoo on her arm, one wearing Riddler uh, leggings and the other in a battleship dress. So literally wearing their displays of geekery like badges at all times. I've got a TARDIS tattoo as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, joining me uh, for a little quick little interlude, I'm going to be doing the regular episode uh, in which I, by myself, will review 50 fucking comics. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I basically gave uh, these new friends uh, some uh, issues of comics that I thought would be good for uh, relatively new readers. I know you guys all have, uh, and we can talk about your separate experiences as comic book readers uh, when we, when we get, get to talking about those issues, but uh, I thought it'd be fun for you guys to talk about uh, these comics with me, um, having potentially them being you know, gateways to these books that you've not really encountered before. Um, so with me today, we've got uh, Jordan Raskopoulos. Um, from uh, Access of Awesome, a great musical comedy group. Uh, we also have adult film star and cosplayer uh, Lucy B, um, who has uh, cosplayed at uh, very different events, uh, all kinds of events all over the country, all over the world. Maybe I think. No,
2: yes? yeah. only all over the country. I don't think they let me out of the country yet.
0: Uh, I could try. You can uh, readily find pictures of her dressed up as Harley Quinn, Catwoman, Jean Grey, Batgirl, Deadpool, and hundreds more. I'm sure.
2: Yeah, and and at at sexpo at the sexpo cosplay competition which you should all enter right now i'm going to oh good i expect <laughs> to see you there i'm gonna be very disappointed
0: uh and finally we have uh the editor of the nib.com and cartoonist um larry harris mm-hmm. um welcome to my hotel room
3: it's really exciting to be here
0: i know like, I, apparently <laughs> apparently this is a ballroom a, a few people come in and be like damn you've got a deluxe room is it any different to yours uh, it's It seems identical to mine. It, cool.
3: it, me too. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same room.
4: <laughs> yeah, either
0: they were drunk or trying to make me feel good. <laughs>
2: just, just take it. Just be like, yeah, yeah, high roller, what up?
0: So um, we have a couple of issues of comics that came out this week. Uh, usually I review uh, pretty much every new comic that comes out every week. At Kings Comics with Siobhan Coombs, um, unfortunately, as I've mentioned, she is not here so we're going to review I think we've got maybe six all up that we're going to be reviewing uh, I gave them each of you last night uh, at a, 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 a vodka sponsored party <laughs> I came up from my hotel room with a big bundle of comics and, and passed them on uh, so we have uh, Rick Remender's Seven to Eternity that came out with an image we got the latest Batman event um, Batman Nightwing then what's it called Batman and the Monster Men Night yeah. of the Monster Men Night and, of
2: the Monster Men
0: and another DC comic uh, with Batman Wonder Woman and Superman it's called Trinity uh, and finally, we have issue number 12 of Archie, a uh, a very loved run of comics. Um, so uh, let's kick off with, uh, I think the biggest release of this week was actually Rick Remender's Seven to Eternity. This is uh, Rick Remender, who uh, we talk about quite frequently on this podcast. He's the writer of Deadly Class. He's the writer of Black Science. He's been the writer of many of my favorite Marvel runs. And this is him teaming up with Jordan O'Pena, who, uh, who we co, who co- uh he, he was the artist also on... Uh, Jerome. Uh, Jerome. Jerome, sorry. What did I say? You said Jordan. Jordan. That's me. <laughs> 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 Jerome Opeña. Uh Jerome was the uh, artist on um, some of the... Suffered for Marvel and Fear Agent, which is what kind of some of a lot of people's uh, introduction to Rick Remender. Rick Remender is now extremely prolific, puts out, I would say, too many comics, and this is a brand new series for him called Seven to Eternity. I gave it to Jordan last night Jordan
4: Yeah so I blitzed through this uh, This morning before the start of the conference And I really I really dug it I think it really spoke to me i um a big fan of The Dark Tower Uh huh um and then so this uh you know and i'm I'm a big fan of mythos and world building and gods and um you know a lot of new game and stuff and so kind of engaging with this where it's kind of like oh small town rural folk and hunting some kind of animal and then suddenly you know big powerful beings and hidden powers and but also had no preface um to what would be in this And uh, so at the very least I'm intrigued And mm. uh, you're probably Forcing me to buy comics again
0: um, <laughs> Success Yeah <laughs> You can find out All the comics that we talk about At King's Comics in Sydney Which is our proud sponsor Kingscomics.com online um, But uh, Seven to Eternity In a in a, in a nutshell Is uh, a family Living Who've chosen to escape the, the wrath of the mud king The mud king
4: Yeah <laughs> uh, And living a rural life Almost you know Separatist from you becoming Amish and disengaging from this great magical war mm. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You talk. You talk and I'll throw in. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, I mean, this is a fantastic example of a creator and comic in which you were introduced to a world and you know nothing about it. And with every page you were introduced to some new mechanic or new being in this mm. presence as well that makes you realize what a, you know. Completely different world it is to the one we live in.
4: Totally, and I think I mean I think like the Dark Tower, you can't really describe the Dark Tower until you've read the third book, you um, know. And yeah. and and it's like, yeah, cool. I've I'm interested, um, but I don't know where this is going. You know, you you introduced a character and then you, you killed that character, and who, who, who do I follow? Who is he, who's the interesting <laughs> person? <laughs> yeah,
0: and and the main the main uh, I guess he was calling the protagonist the mm. the son of the father who dies quite early in yeah. this book um, at the wrath of the Mud Queen who who Opens the ground beneath him and swallows him. Yeah. Uh, so only his hand is sticking out, and he slowly dies in the mud. Um, it's a really upbeat, lovely comic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the protagonist is is his son, who also happens to be dying. Yeah.
4: And, and then and then that son's daughter as well seems a significant character. As yeah, well, yeah. And there is some kind of a power that seems to be passed along through hereditary and and yeah.
0: Yeah, and I was expecting this issue to begin his journey on the way to the mud king but mm. uh, slight spoilers i mean I don't, I don't really feel bad about spoiling our first issue but he is in the vicinity of the mud king by the end of the book mm. so and faced with a moral con- quandary and we don't know what his decision yes. is going to be
4: unlike unlike roland chasing the man in black uh, over volumes <laughs> yeah. uh, we see the mud king
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, Jordan, will you be sticking with 7 to Eternity?
4: Look, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued enough uh to 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 stick with it. Now, how long is the run? Is it going to be uh, you indefinite? You never
0: know. Rick Remender has uh for Image who who published the majority of his comics now. Mm. Um he has had he had four series going. He just finished one after 10 issues. Okay. Tokyo Ghost and then other t- the other three are all well into their 20s. Great. So, yeah. No, I'll be sticking
4: around for a couple of years.
0: Um, so I, I think I, it's worth pointing out how fantastic and cinematic and, and, mm. and inventive the art in this by J.R.R. Pena is. Fantastic colors as well, um, and very like just a very vivid, crazy world that you can't wait to. Find yeah. Out more but
4: about. And, but a, but a mundane world, you know, a, a mundane and a magical world, but both of both worlds which are foreign, you know, that that the, the creatures that exist in this mon, the mundane rural life is still alien. Yeah
0: So last night Jordan told me that her One of her favourite runs of uh, of comics Is Alan Moore's Swamp Thing So that yeah. immediately I was like there are, there are small kind of thematic connections totally, I could make between
4: totally. the two us and of I so. love I love yeah kind of minutia When then gods are involved And
0: yeah. <laughs> Fantastic Alright so another comic uh, that we read I gave Lucy three. Oh no you chose to take three I was going to give you two And then you were like make it three Did you get through all three of them? I did So we've got Batman number seven, Nightwing number five, which is the start of the new Batman crossover event between Batman, Nightwing, and Detective Comics through DC. Um, Yes, it was co-written by um, uh, Steve Orlando and Tom King on Batman, and then uh, Steve Orlando and Tim Seeley uh, for Nightwing. And this is about like uh, the 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 Batman character of Hugo Strange uh, has he's basically made these. Turned corpses into these ginormous, rotting monsters yeah, that are... Yeah, lots of,
2: lots of science there in that in that sense. Like, he's using some sort of particular cell. And um, I think there's also... I think there's a little intrigue in terms of who has been chosen and, and, and why those particular people were chosen. I think that's sort of helping our, our heroes get a vibe for where these monsters are headed and stuff like that. Um, I wasn't a huge fan
0: I was not a huge fan of the Batman issue, but I really enjoyed the Nightwing issue.
2: I think the Nightwing, like the Nightwing issue, got a little more intriguing. But um, I honestly, like, I I think the Bat family has gotten a bit too big. And as much as I love seeing them all together, I'm like, I, the story gets quite jumpy.
0: Yeah, sure. But whereas I've I've been reading all of them, yeah. So I guess I'm kind of used to it by now. But I totally get that. Um, Yeah, I want Batman to be by himself again.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I want a death of the
4: family to be the death of the family.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing about this though was like um, Bruce Wayne was like, "Yeah, I care about all of you," and I'm like, "I'm big daddy, and you don't do this, and you don't do that," and I'm like, "Shit, Bruce, calm down, like take a valium, (laughs) sit down, chill out, you know, talk about your feelings, maybe see a therapist." (laughs) So there
0: are equal fan bases of people that like the Batman with the Bat family dynamic and Mm. people that love the solo Batman stuff. And there are actually books that cater to both those audiences. Scott Snyder's All-Star Batman at the moment, which is running out, is is mostly about Two-Face and Batman like driving through the countryside together as every single villain in the DC universe tries to take them both out.
2: Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I think I find that even, even, you know... I don't mind the Bat Family sometimes, but I still prefer, I guess, a more stoic Bruce Wayne, like Bruce Wayne who cares but doesn't feel like he has to tell you that every five seconds. And I felt like in the dialogue of this, it was very much like, "I almost lost this person. I can't lose you too." Next page, I almost lost this person, and and there's a lot about like the you know the loss of Tim and stuff like that. Yeah, so Tim
0: Drake has died last week. Yes, but he's not actually dead. Still
2: a bit raw, Um, (laughs) but I think I think in that sense, it's a lot like. I, I struggle in the sense that I don't think we get to see a lot of character development of the individual members of the family when Bruce is kind of hovering over them. And the art as well. Like In the mm, first,
0: in the Batman issue I didn't like, but I loved yeah, the art in the Yeah, I found
2: that if it wasn't, like, if there wasn't Batwoman or... Uh, like Nightwing with those vibrant kind of colors in the Batman issue it just didn't it it wasn't striking it definitely picked up in the Nightwing issue and and um, I think more of the the intrigue came into it and mm-hmm. the mystery came in the Nightwing um, and like trying to figure out why this is going on and, and where next and I found that really um, compelling and I think I will, I will still, I will want to read the rest of this event because I want to know where this is going. And Hugo Strange is a villain. I think he's so underused. Absolutely, yep. Um, and I love how sort of twisted he is. So, yeah, I, I will follow it begrudgingly.
0: That's the problem with events, especially <laughs> the first few issues that where they have to have so much to set up because they always cross over with so many different books that you have to set up and, and include all these characters. You know, almost tokenistic level because they just have to just be present on a page at some point, and yeah. you don't really get any depth within it. Yeah, I, 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 I really didn't like the, the the Batman issue, but it picked up significantly with the Nightwing for me. Yeah,
2: I, I would, I would. Definitely, definitely agree. But
0: overall, I don't care about Batman battling massive monsters. That's not why I like Batman. Mm. But I understand. Yeah, that, you know, I, I think you've got to do new things. Sometimes, I
2: think but. it's good. But I think I've always loved the sort of one-on-one, you know, intrigue and and stuff that happens between him and and different um different villains. I love these long sort of um, story arcs. I liked the crossover that happened with Death and the Family because mm. you had, the, you know, it was this examination of the warped mind of the joker and he was like impacting everyone was still this one villain and i really like that because the the villains in the batman comics are so complex and they have so many like backstories and i think too often it's like one villain getting a whole bunch of other people or monsters in this case to do their dirty work Mm. whereas like i think hugo strange is about so much more than that and i'm hoping that as this continues we'll find out more and we'll focus on him a little bit but also I mean, he was ripped in that first issue. I was like, "Hey!" So <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I mean, that what do you was mean Hugo Strange
0: is ripped? Is that yeah, yeah? I
2: was like, he's been working out. I'm like, could, good could we for you go Yeah, well done.
0: Have you seen the uh, the, the the pictures of uh, J.K. Simmons who's playing Commissioner Gordon? Yes, and he's working out and really yes. buff and shirtless. And, I'm like, but- <laughs> oh. Uh, Zack Snyder's DC Universe is fucked up. <laughs> Commissioner
2: Gordon, how how are you doing? <laughs> hey. Um, um,
0: so have you got do do we have favorite favorite Batman books in the room? Like uh, ones that, that that like your ideal Batman is that in, in a particular I, book or?
2: I love I like I love the Court of the Owls mm-hmm. and and like that whole like that is so and 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 the original sort of Arkham Asylum you know um, as well. I like how that totally. Um, those titles totally distort reality and and you see, you know, it plays with, you know, Bruce Wayne's sanity and stuff like that. You don't know what's real and I just find those stories so compelling but also the notion that, you know, um, there's these big bads that have been there all the time and you sort of want to go back and re-look at everything you've ever read because you want to know what you missed and I find that really, really intriguing. And also I love the art that runs through a lot of the, the quarter mm. of the hours and stuff like that. Like it's just, it's a beautiful comic to look at, like as well as it is a, a compelling story.
0: Um, so Batman's actually coming out twice a month now. So mm. that beautiful art that was maintainable for an ongoing run month to month is yeah. now not, a, like not a possibility. So we, we're getting lots of feeling artists, lots of, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I don't, I think that, I, I like a darker I like a darker Batman. Sure. Um, I don't like it, it's too much of a, like a light fluffy puffy piece. Oh
3: Batman.
0: boy, you probably didn't like Trinity then. We can talk about that soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alaria, have you got a favourite Batman story?
3: To be quite frank, my favourite Batman is cartoon television Batman. Yeah, yeah. the, the, the <laughs> yeah. animated series. Oh, no, yeah, of course series. it is. It is
0: yeah. the, the yeah. easy that's all that was always good, and it's always such a you know it's everything you love about the character in very great achievable chunks.
3: Yeah, but also I kind of like that more cartoony artwork style as well. Like mm. I think that for me that's like of a timeless. Like there's there's a time era involved yeah. in that art style that I really like that I. I don't know, like, sometimes, particularly with the newer, newer issues of Batman that I've seen, like, I just feel like it's just too much for me. There's, like, too many things going on. I like simplicity. Oh, you would have
0: hated this. There's, like, big, grotesque, bubbling yeah, monsters. no. Yeah. No,
3: <laughs> no, that's not my Batman. And yeah. Jordan,
0: favorite Batman? Um,
4: look, I, I really like Hush. I like, kind of, classic detective story, kind mm-hmm. of. You know, unpiecing the puzzle from... from a lot yeah. of
0: writers forget that Batman is the greatest detective. Yeah. he's yeah. just a guy that punches people.
4: Exactly. I mean, there's plenty of punching. And, like, I remember Killer Crockett copying it really bad um, in that series. Um, and maybe this is contentious, but I really like um, the first run of All-Star Batman. I really like... Also, Batman and Robin with uh, by uh, Frank Miller. With Frank and Miller. Yeah. Because I, I just... It I was flawed, but I loved exploring Batman as a sociopath, and mm-hmm. I, I just and just the fact of of acknowledging just that moment in that when 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 Alfred just acknowledges, well, hang on, you've kidnapped a child, <laughs> and you have put the child in a cave to fend for itself in order to do what, <laughs> to 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 make him like you and to make it and and it's just seeing seeing. Batman's you know, classic narrative, classic behaviour, through the lens of him being a sociopath, I think was uh, really ambitious. And I, I'm not sure if it 100% got there, but I think it's a really interesting way of looking at a character.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, even the worst Batman comics is something interesting in there. Mm. It's a, well, that's a strength of the character of Batman.
4: Yeah, well, Batman oh. the Brave and the Bold. <laughs> 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 the, oh yeah, have you, the cartoon series yeah. For, Oh, so I love that.
0: Oh, that's like that's I like that as much as the animated series. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very, you know, that's for that's something I can't wait to show my son. Yeah. And my daughter. Yeah. Um if you uh, want more recommendations on Batman comics we did a bonus uh, Batman episode that you can find on our iTunes feed so go check it out listen to me talk about Batman for an hour and a half mm-hmm. Larry <laughs> um, I got you to read we're gonna be talk about more Batman in a second but I got Larry to read uh, Archie number 12 by Mark Wade uh, art by Thomas Pizzilli uh, now this wasn't You know, the perfect jumping on point for this series. But I thought it was, you know, I mean, Archie is always quite contained. And even though this is now a serialized ongoing story, I thought this is, this tells you what's going on enough. Uh, This is all about the, uh, uh, the, the, so, you know, the, the constant quandary of, is Archie with Betty, or is Archie with? Yeah, Viger. I
3: mean, like nothing has changed in like a hundred years. Like they're still fighting over over Archie, basically.
0: But so twelve issues ago, Archie relaunched, and right. Archie is a beautiful, handsome, Bieber-esque, uh, but yeah. tastefully done, modernising their clothes, making the fashion look realistic, and 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 their dialogue, even though it's written by like a nearing seventy-year-old man, the dialogue is. I don't think he's that all, He's close. <laughs> um, he's at least double on my edge. Um even though it's written by someone quite old, he gets dialogue of, of young people. He's on the internet enough to take in the, the right stuff. And I, I've we've loved this run. And Siobhan, my co-host, is a massive Archie fan. She has a Jughead tattoo. Um, Whoa. Wow. That's like some uh,
3: serious love. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and uh, it's a really exciting time for her now because Archie have actually relaunched all of their books. And there's incredible... There's, a, there's a, a horror take on the uh, on the Archie called Afterlife with Archie, in which they um, there's a zombie outbreak. And oh, it's that's cool. incredible! Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a like a dark horror Sabrina the Teenage Witch. There's uh-huh. a like Jughead is stronger than ever with fantastic writer Ryan North, who is a and Chip Zdarsky, who are both webcomic writers like Alary. Yes. Um, uh they're, they're the writers of Jughead. Um, so it's it's really really cool. And I, I just wonder if someone because you know uh, Alary does like. What would you call them like small contained slice of life kind of uh, you know funny cartoons yeah as opposed to comics yeah um, on on your website which is
3: oh you can look up my stuff at Larry.Harris.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah
0: um, and I, I, I wonder I mean, I feel like Archie is just that uh, that entry point to cartoons for so many people, for comics, for so many people. Did you, did you grow up with Archie?
3: I definitely did. Actually, when I was growing up, my, my dad's American. So my grandma in the States used to send me boxes of Betty and Veronica and Archie <laughs> comics all the time because they're like, you know, supermarket fair everywhere and stuff. But um, this was not the Archie that I know.
0: And what did you think?
3: It is the most emo Archie story I've ever read in my (laughs) life. (laughs) It's like, it's like they're all, it's all drama. I love that they're texting each other all the time. And it's like, are you like, you know, letters, are you, they use within the first page, there's like a reference to, you know, Veronica ghosting. Uh, mm-hmm. Archie, which I thought was like, yeah, yeah, you're totally hip with the kids. Check it's out so the terminology. That
4: does seem like a 70-year-old man, you know, putting on a baseball cap and trying to blend into a high school. <laughs> no, it's,
0: I, I, I promise you guys, it is really, really good. And, and it is, there is a believability, you know, these, like, it is, it is dramatic, but it's dramatic from a teenager's point of view. And I think it captures that really well. Like, Yeah.
3: Teenagers what, think everything is a disaster. Yeah. yeah. Life-changing horror
0: moment. But it's still a comedy book and there are yeah. still some really funny moments in this okay, I'll let you tell me more about it, what, your thoughts through this
3: um, I think the art is really nice, and I do agree with you on the the clothing stuff. It's really interesting how they've like uh, the way that they dress is super like you know teen America right now, and I, I appreciate that for sure. Like I like that kind of development. Um, I did think that there were a couple of problems in some of the dialogue in terms of race related stuff, right? Um, because Betty's new boyfriend, who is a guy called Sayed, who is very clearly a person of color. Uh, he
0: has been in Archie Comics for quite a few years. Oh, has he? Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah, I'm,
3: yeah. I did not know that. I have clearly not read a lot of Archie mm-hmm. Comics. But there's that there's that bit in there that it says, where Betty says to him in a fight that she says she doesn't want to be a piece of property to be owned.
0: To say, yeah, right. He's it's so it is of Middle Eastern descent. Um, sure. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. A, yeah. 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 So like there was for I me
3: w- that that one panel. I, I was like that looking was at that and-, and not.
0: Thinking of that either.
3: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not. But there's a lot of connotations in that one mm. panel about, you know, what you're saying about totally. this particular person.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that at all.
3: Um, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I think that it's like, uh, as far as, you know, the storyline goes, I was definitely interested. I want to know what happens next. There's like, you know, an aspect of like people leaving and, you know,. Uh, you know, romance going which way. Of course, it, you know, it's got the, the, the always beautiful, you know, Betty slash Veronica slash Archie love triangle thing going on. Uh,
0: everyone in the room, are you team Betty, team Veronica?
4: I am so unfamiliar with Archie. <laughs> um,
0: Betty's the, uh, like, the, the girl next door, um, uh, you know, tomboyish, can fi- can fix a car better than Archie can. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and Veronica is the rich girl that comes to town and... Uh, Everyone's obsessed with her, especially us. Oh, then Tim Betty. Tim <laughs> See,
2: I liked Betty, but I also like uh Veronica always had this kind of femme fatale kind of um she was she, like you like they okay, she was she was kind of the she was kind of the skanky one, right? And I always really felt for Veronica in that because I was like, you know, and that, I was never that girl in high school either, but I was sort of like I'm really sort of rooting for you because people are kind of down on you for that, and, and so, I don't think that's bad.
0: The, the Veronica in this comic says bitchy comments, but it gives you the background of why she says it, and I think it's successful in making her still likable and relatable, even when she says mean things to other characters.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think there was always a story with Veronica as well. You, you sort of felt that there was more there and I think it's cool that there's something
0: that explores that Larry, Betty, Veronica
3: well I'm definitely on team Veronica for sure because like she's I feel like I know that Betty is a complete character in her girl next door lovability but like to me Betty
0: is Joey from Dawson's Dawson's Creek
4: yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, no. I grew up as a boy. Remember, so I didn't watch Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did yeah. <laughs> constantly, <laughs> and I had the soundtrack. I, <laughs> I was trying really, really hard to be masculine. So. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, I think that Veronica um, is like uh, she has, she has like she does bad things all the time, and even in this, there's like aspects where I'm like, you know, like, you know, Archie is frantically texting her, saying like, "Babe, where are you? Like, what's going on?" And she won't, re- she doesn't respond until like you know a fair few pages in and even then it seems like fairly reluctantly it's mm. like oh god I have to I have to reply to his text message <laughs> you know hashtag drama um, <laughs> and you wouldn't get that with Betty like that's not you know I, I kind of relate to Veronica on that one like mm. I'm the person who's like looking at the text messages going oh, 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 oh I guess I should reply you know mm. um, yeah. interesting
0: tidbit every every issue of uh, all the Archie Comics comes with a backup of uh a classic Archie story. Um, and this right. one comes from the nineties and uh, this will be uninteresting to you guys, but Mark Wade, the writer who is uh, known primarily for uh, big superhero comics over at DC and Marvel. I know he was a, an editor at DC for a moment before he became a writer. But uh, this reveals that he was actually the editor. He wasn't. He was on staff. He was a proofreader for Archie Comics in 1990. And so this oh, uh, features uh, one of the rare Archie stories that he actually wrote during that time. And it's extremely different. Uh, in, in, oh yeah, it's totally. It's a you know straight up goofy antics comic. But uh, it, very interesting to know that he he was he he wrote Archie Comics before this run and doing it now. And we got we got a Josie and the Pussycats comic coming out really soon by a provider we really like, and uh, a Betty and Veronica comic coming out, which looks like it could be I don't know. Fun.
3: It looks
2: like it's drawn in that
3: old school style.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you never know what they're doing with these things.
2: I just want to see Betty and Veronica hook up. That would be cool.
0: I'm, I'm sure it yeah. exists. I'd
3: there
2: is Just go onto DeviantArt. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah right. there's a lot there. No, but in mainstream comics, I just want to say, you know, Archie, go away. <laughs> and then, I don't know. I'd be done with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'd many
0: of our listeners would too. Um, so, last comic to review tonight. Um, have you. What is everyone's thoughts on. DC, the state of DC movies, particularly Batman v Superman. I don't know if you saw it this year. Did you see it? Yeah.
4: it you know, what? I, I, I saw it and I thought it was garbage. And then um, a few months later, I was invited to go to the uh, a cinema screening of the extended version. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay, I'll go. It'll probably be a good networking event. Might be some interesting people there. There was no one there. And it was just torture watching the movie again with an extra half an hour attached to it of just... Yuck! <laughs> I, uh, I I was loath to it. I, I watched it loathed. again
2: for the second time on a cruise ship with Yuck. my mother and my grandmother because they hadn't seen it before in an That's auditorium so sick, your in front of a big wanted to watch it. and I was like, I was like clawing at the windows. I'm like, please let me, please <laughs> yeah. let me out. I don't, I don't like. And all the, all the, all the like older people on this cruise are like, oh yeah, it's
4: a cool yeah. movie, and they're going. <sighs> yeah, I don't know if I could have. I could have enjoyed it if it wasn't Batman. Like, Mm. the way that character was acting wasn't Batman. But if that character was the Punisher, I could have maybe got into that film. Mm -hmm.
2: But also, it was like Lex Luthor... Was the mm. Joker? Yeah, but to also, me.
4: but also, you know, in the trailers and everything, setting up Lex Luthor as you know a, a young startup, you know, Mark Zuckerberg character was genius. I yeah. thought, and then they was squandered it.
2: I was, I was so intrigued by that, and then it was just they, they really sort of they, they wasted that opportunity, and then at the end, we're sort of going nuts, and I'm like, what are you what are you trying to do? I'm confused, yeah. and it's like. I don't know. Like, every time I hear the word Martha, I, like, sink into a deep oh. state of depression. It's like... Why did you say that name? Yeah. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> that's my mom's name, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's <laughs> be friends. Yeah. So, it was the worst. But anyone listening that likes it, that's fine. You fine. No, you're it's yeah, okay, you're, you're wrong. Fine. Like, you're you're like, wrong and you should feel bad about yourself. Do you know,
3: I did not go to see it because enough of my friends gave me reviews like this where <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess I'm not going to, it's not a thing that's going to happen in my
4: life. Yeah. So you, d- you haven't seen it? No, I didn't no, go. I see haven't it. seen Suicide Squad. I do not see Suicide I Squad.
0: See I Suicide think it's actually Squad. worse.
2: I, you know <laughs> what, Do you know what, I don't think it's worse. I saw Suicide Squad. I have a lot of problems with it, but at the same time, I, like I had a bit of a giggle. Um, I had no giggles. <laughs>
4: Good
0: point. During Batman vs <laughs> Superman, zero giggle. <laughs> weirdly, loved uh, Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang. Yeah, as, like if there yeah. were
2: moments in that that stuck out for me, and separate from that whole movie, I would have, I would have loved to see that. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and I was just sort of like, oh, God damn it.
4: Yeah, particularly when Marvel's knocking out of the park and they're doing Civil Civil War at the same mm. time. Oh, and so you're just going, idea. yeah, they spent eight years building up this cinematic mythos to get mm. to the point where Captain America can fight Iron Man. They don't open with that, with people the, just scratching their heads. You
2: know, The best bit of Batman vs Superman, though, for me, was Wonder Woman where she just flies in at the end with a sword and the music gets better <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, and you sort of sit there and you're like, yes, Queen. And you're really, <laughs> you're really into it at that point. Um, And that's why I brought
0: up Batman v Superman, because that introduces cinematically the the, the trinity Mm. that is DC, that is uh, Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman. And so we have a comic called Trinity, um, which is written, drawn, coloured, everything by Francis Manipal. It features some, on on an artistic point, some fantastic art, cinematic, really dynamic page layouts, especially Mm. when they introduce each character. Um, yeah, it's yeah, really, really great, but uh, it comes with. I felt like I should have explained a few things to you because DC is yeah. a bit crazy at the moment. Explaining, especially the character of Superman mm. and his role within the DC universe at the moment, is insane.
4: Oh, is he doing a lot of texting? <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah. I think it was like he's trying to choose between Lois and Wonder, <laughs> Wonder Woman. <Yeah>. When
2: <laughs> I, well, obviously he's not doing this, but I, I don't know. I, I so I I went into it and I had no mm-hmm. background, and um, when I see things like. DC Universe Rebirth and Marvel something else and I, I sometimes I sit there and I see all these new rebirths and reboots and I'm just like fuck really okay
0: it sells more when it happens it again. Yeah, yeah.
2: but I um, so I didn't I didn't had no idea what was going on and going into it I was reading it and I was sort of like a little confused at the start I'm like wait who are we talking about and wait what is it is it Mar- is Martha no no, no, it's not Martha. T- it's okay. It's lower. Wait, what, what? <laughs> but at the same time, I was so freaking intrigued. I'm mm. um, even not having any background, right? I was looking at it and going, "Where was going on here? I like, I like this. Hmm. I want to know." And it's not an so I'm, action So I'm,
0: I'm so baffled. <laughs> yeah, okay, <you can>, <laughs> yeah. yeah. okay. Let, right let me try let, to let, explain yes, Superman to you guys as quickly as I can. So, uh. New 52 was a massive event that DC relaunched all of their stuff in Mm -hmm. 2002. Um, So they brought in a a younger Superman um, and uh, people didn't really respond that well to his stories. So midway through the New 52, they introduced, there was like a little weird little event um, and they revealed that um, the Superman from before New 52 continuity was actually in the New 52 continuity. He and Lois had, for whatever reason ended up in this world and they um, were were like hiding out together, and they have a baby called John Kent. Um, and then when they relaunch at the end of this New Fifty Two run, the Superman from the New Fifty Two dies, mm-hmm. and then seeing that on the news, the older Superman see like sees that oh, this is finally my chance to 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 to, to like replace the Superman, be, be the Superman that this world needs. Mm. And in doing that, you, um, he he, he outs that he has a family. Um, and uh, the the new two Superman dated Wonder Woman, not Lois Lane, right. but this one is married to, or, you know, is is partnered with with Lois Lane to have a kid. But but an has,
4: but a separate Lois Lane, or is there the, a lo- li-
0: the one from? Yeah, there is another Lois Lane, right. although she just died. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe convenient. <laughs> there uh, and that's like the yeah. shorter bridge version. It's actually so much more convoluted and crazy than that. But so the main thing to take from this is that um, the Batman and Wonder Woman of this world don't aren't familiar with this, this Superman yeah. and so they don't trust him yet so this is and they know even that he has though, a even though Batman
4: so. was largely unchanged by the, the new 52 that's right yeah yeah okay. but
0: but he doesn't well I mean it, it was still a new universe for yeah. him so he doesn't yeah he's so not familiar with this, with this Superman
2: Lois invites everyone to dinner
0: so they can get to know each other so they better. Can bond. And it's not really a heavy action story at all. It's all, not, it's all about it's the like, characters and
2: Yeah, and I think I think not knowing about the new fifty-two sort of and, and all the stuff that had happened previously, I still found this really interesting and I've really loved I really love the the weird sort of triangle that exists between Wonder Woman and 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 Batman and Superman. I re- I've always loved that. I've always loved that sort of dynamic, but also I love that I don't know, Wonder Woman brings a Dinner. is it a,
3: yeah,
0: okay, a massive ball yeah, creature, she's yeah. Just, it's
2: like over her shoulders right. and she just dumps it on their porch and she's like like i bought i bought something like it, it's like one of those my mother told me never to come and moments. wonder woman style
4: but also also like a bird bringing it so a cat
2: um and then you know obviously like uh you know um this superman's son being like, don't tell me never like to use my powers, but I'm just gonna peek through the door to see who's there. Holy shit! Look who's at the door! And then basically like lasers Bruce Wayne in yeah, the chest. Yeah, he's so
0: surprised that Batman and Wonder Woman have come to visit that he mm. he accidentally lets his heat vision go and and he, fires he prematurely Bruce out, out, out. heat
2: visions yeah. all over Batman. <laughs> basically, and and obviously Bruce is really happy about that. And yeah. uh, you can see it all over his face. like He's like, you train your son. Raw, 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 raw.
0: It's, it, so it, it's really enjoyable. It's great character work. I um, and I, and I, But then it builds up to this weird ending.
2: Yeah. The ending got me and I was like, wait, what, what's going on here? And it seems like to me, um, because it's like, he, you know, they hear this, uh, this voice coming from the barn and they're like, what's that? So they go to calling to Clark and he's like, what's this? So he goes to the barn and opens it. And then it sort of merges with, this stuff from the past. Yeah, I
0: don't know if it's like a gateway to his past yeah, or but he like, sees like a, it's his his, dad y- dad his, his young calling self. Him. Yeah, with, and I was sort Park of Kent. going
2: yeah. Oh, this is going to be some trippy timeline shit. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> um, Superman is not convoluted enough. Oh, never, <laughs> you never as well ever send him at back all. In time I was like, couldn't we
2: just be like, couldn't this just be a whole series of dinners <laughs> between yeah. like? So maybe that would kind have of, been great.
0: Just kind of Come my down. kitchen's rules of <laughs> <with> the <laughs> DC <decent laughs> Universe. Yeah. What's the Annabelle Crab Show? Kitchen, yeah, kitchen, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so I mean, but at the same time, I am. Enjoy- I enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoyed the first issue of. Uh, Night of the Monster Yeah, I thought this is Batman. really
0: strong. Rebirth first issues have been pretty shit for the most part, in that they just kind of tell this weird introduction story and then. This then, got me. Yeah, this is good. This, this has been. This, this is really great. I mean, especially from an art point, is like that's a reason enough to buy this comic each, each month for me. Yeah, um, it's so so good. Just I, I can't, that's like the, one of the best Batman images in, in the, the big it's spread of him there that I've seen in a long hmm. while. Um. So yeah, I'm glad you liked this one. I would have been. I would have felt bad if I I, I hadn't at least given you one comic that you enjoyed.
2: I, I enjoyed the Nightwing. I did enjoy the Nightwing better than the Batman. So don't, you know, that's two. Awesome.
0: <laughs> well, I have to uh, review 50 other comics on, on my lonesome, but thank you so much uh, to my guests for joining me today. If you uh, want to follow them online and you definitely should, because they post all manner of fun, geeky stuff and, uh, and, and other stuff that they do Boobs. constantly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you can uh, follow Jordan on her Instagram and Twitter, which is at Jordan Rascoe. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucy is at Lucy XXX on Instagram and at MissLucyB on no, Twitter. No, it's
2: at MissLucyB on it. Insta and at uh, LucyBXXX on sorry.
0: Twitter. I it, Almost. I really need to change that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Synergy. Um, and Aleri can be found at Alary May or you can head to her website, which she is the editor of, the nib.com?
3: Yeah, the nib.com. Go there.
0: Awesome. Uh, and I should point out that Aleri is spelled E E E L E R I, and uh, Lucy is spelled L-U-C-I-E. Very Just important. Difficult. But is there... <laughs> If there's ever a chance that you will be uh, re- wanting to read comics uh, in Sydney, you are always welcome to join us on the podcast in the future.
3: Yay! Well, Thanks so I was, much, guys. I was going to come to Graphic.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we went to have an interview with Brandon Graham when he's here, which is oh super exciting. He's, he is like a porn-obsessed comic book writer. Because that, that's uh,
2: on during... Um, when is Graphic? Is it on during PAX? It's on during graphic. something. I
0: think it's it's, it's a bit late. Like, it might be during PAX, yeah. yeah.
2: and I was like, mm. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: Cool. Thank you so much. And we'll, uh, Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to me going crazy as I try and review all these comics by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Hi again. It's me, your easily forgivable regular host of Serious Issues, the comic book podcast, Andrew Levins. That's my name. And uh, it's Friday morning. I have not put out the uh, episode that should have come out on Monday afternoon yet. And I apologize. There are many reasons. I've, uh, I think I've recorded it and edited like seven hours worth of podcasts this week. It's been a pretty hectic week. Uh, Siobhan's on holiday, lying in the goddamn sunshine, while I'm slaving away, raising a family, recording my voice, editing other people's voices, and doing goddamn social media posts. It's a tough life, you guys, but lucky I have comics, and so many goddamn comics this week. Uh, It's Friday... I read pretty much absolutely everything that came out this week. There are very few comics that escape my grasp. We've got Civil War reviews. We've got um, a whole bunch of new DC and, and Marvel, a lot of Marvel stuff to get through. So before we get there, I had Siobhan you know, give me three minutes of her important holiday time to review her favourite comics from the week. So let's hear from Siobhan now.
5: Hey guys, this is Siobhan. Um, I am currently out of office. You might be able to hear the sounds of the picturesque Australian landscape around me. Um, But as this is, you know, being a comic book fan, is a 24-7 job. I've brought my comics with me on holidays. And I'm going to tell you my top three picks for this week what a week to go away on holidays there were so many good comics that i wish i could chat with weapons about we had the start of the monster men um story in the batman books i really want to discuss the end of that uh, civil war issue five because that's a bit nuts um there were some great comics as well this week i um i had a really tough time picking my top three the three um, honorable mentions i would like to discuss are Um, Trinity, the new series by Francis Manipool so cool to see Francis Manipool back on a book I'm absolutely killing it Uh, Seven to Eternity, the first issue of the new Rick Remender and Jerome Opina book, really thought that was cool and interesting, I'm excited to see more of that and we had another great issue of The Mighty Thor um, by Jason Aaron and Russell Dorderman but my top three picks for this week are Black Hammer issue three by Jeff Lemire and Dean Ormston. this just continues to be such a such a brilliant book you guys really should be reading this it's covering all kinds of subject matter now um far beyond what i thought it was originally going to and i just love it i love the characters i love everything about it um issue seven of superman this is what i want from superman books and read in conjunction with trinity this is like this is the dc universe that i know and love more standalone comics about people superheroes going to carnivals with their family yes please um and obviously the the top pick of the week has to be um The Vision issue 11 by Tom King and Gabrielle Walter oh man this is the penultimate issue before um before this completely brilliant series ends and I just I don't even want to I can't even say anything about it because I don't want to ruin it for anyone who's reading it but um so so brilliant so good guys um, that's about it for me. I'm about to go and lay in the sunshine and read the latest volume of, um, Urusawa's brilliant series, Master Keaton, because I'm a nerd. Um, thanks guys. And I will see you next week.
0: Cool. Thanks so much, Siobhan. Enjoy lying down, doing nothing. Actually, I think her holiday, I think I've, I've taken so long to finish this episode that her holiday might be over by the time this uh, episode goes up and you hear it. So, uh, you know, we, we don't have to be jealous of Siobhan anymore. Her holiday's over, and she's back in the real horrible life like the rest of us. So let's uh, do the segment that we would normally do at the beginning of every episode. Uh, it's called First Things First. And uh, we that is a segment in which we review all of the new number ones that came out this week. However, it's, what, halfway through this episode? So uh, it's like First Things Seventh or something like that this week. But uh, let's review all of the first issues. We've already reviewed Seven to Eternity and uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Trinity. I um, enjoyed both of those i uh, been thinking a lot about Trinity as well About how that's kind of like representative Of what I really want from the DC Universe at the moment as far as the, the, Those three main characters go um, That said, that's not, that's not a slight on, on, on Batman, Wonder Woman and Superman In their individual comics, all of which I really, really love too Anyway DC put out two comics that, uh, spoiler alert, I did not love this week, and they both happened to be number ones, Uh, the first of which was uh, Cyborg number one. Now, we read the Rebirth issue of this, um, and uh, we give a lot of, you know, we excuse... A lackluster rebirth issue Because sometimes they have to just set up all the, all the things in place and not really It feels like an addition to a to a, to a story um, So we always give The actual number one issue a proper chance This one was written by John Semper Jr With art Paul, by Paul Pelletier My problem with this story Is that it's clear that The writer clearly has a lot of love for Cyborg But I'm not familiar With the work of John Semper Jr But it really felt like this comic was written Like 20 years ago um, and that's not inherently a bad thing, but I just felt like a lot of the racial elements of this story were really heavy-handed and dated, and and not like just kind of doesn't didn't really kind of have a, 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 a anything any real importance behind it. Um, especially when you have Cyborg, who is you know grappling with whether he's a robot or a man, uh, being taken in by a blind jazz man who uh, tells him that. Jazz is the key to to him figuring out, you know, getting in touch with his humanity side. And he's he's so used to to program stuff, but freestyle jazz, man, that's gonna save you. It really felt like this was written. This, this felt like an episode of Captain Planet to me. Um, so I will not be sticking with the cyborg uh, story, and uh, I look forward to the day that we get a really great cyborg series because I do think he's a great character. He's been used really well in team books in the past. I mean, you can look no further than comics that were actually written twenty, even thirty years ago when he was part of the Titans and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, he he deserves a a, a a series that's as good as you know the aforementioned Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. And unfortunately, this current series, it doesn't look like it's going to be that. Um, over to another book that came out, another number one. This is a limited series, one of six, uh, called Raven. Uh, Raven, another member of uh, the Teen Titans, um, probably most famous uh, outside of the comic book world um, as one of the main characters of Teen Titans Go, voiced by Tara Strong. Uh, very funny. Uh, actually made a comment a while ago about where the hell is Raven in the Teen Titans books that came out through Rebirth. And this book is very confusing in that it exists between... New Fifty Two and Rebirth, um, and that isn't even the most confusing aspect of this story, which involves demons and like the the, the core of it. The story is is pretty fun. It's um, Raven trying to fit it in at a high school and e- escape her crappy superhero demon life. Um, but I just there and there are some great moments like her kind of trying to integrate into a high school and uh, over the course of page, her using her weird emotion controlling superpowers to. uh make people kind of focus on their own problems instead of her, her, her appearance. And there, there were a few moments I liked in this overall. I just think this is a, a one that goes in the not for me category. Um, like so many of Marvel Wolfman's comic comics from the last couple of years, uh, the art by Alison Borges on this is, is probably the best thing about it. And there's some great colors by someone called blonde, um, which I assume is, a uh, so I think, yeah, I think that the, the colorist on this book was Frank Ocean's last album. Cool. So uh, they're the DC number ones. Uh, the problem with making bad jokes when you are recording an episode by yourself is that no one even gives you a pity laugh. So uh, if you're pity laughing at my bad jokes, let me know. Serious issues at kingscomics.com or hit me up on Twitter at lavdog. Uh So I also read a book um, and I, in fact, um, you know, thanks so much to my guests earlier, um, Jordan Larry and uh, and Lucy for reading Comics that I gave them at Junket I gave a few more around and I haven't had them returned yet In fact they weren't reviewed so uh, I, I, won't, I won't call out their names but I lent Britannia to someone. Uh, Britannia is A new comic by um, Peter Milligan With art by Juan Rose Rip or Ripe um, And this is uh, out through Valiant and uh, It is uh, a really really Heavy handed kind of Like almost like a sexploitation Kind of Demon comic set in ancient Rome, which sounds like it could be kind of awesome. I'm, um, I, and I used to love Peter Milligan, like his ecstatics run is one of my favorite Marvel runs of all time. And I'm sure there are countless other. I've got, I've, got, I've read some incredible Batman stuff. In fact, we gave one of his Batman books, uh, Dark Knight, Dark City, or whatever that maybe was called, um, in our all Batman episode. I like Peter Milligan. I used to love Peter Milligan. Um, I think his last 50 issues of, um, Hellblazer on Vertigo are like the the absolute low point of the series, Um, but a lot of people disagree with me, Um, and uh, I feel like I always kind of pick up even before the podcast. I would always just pick up the first issue of any series he was doing uh, and working on. So I was kind of like, oh well, you know, Valiant are doing really great things at the moment. Hopefully, this is going to be great, but I just. I thought the art by Juan Rose Wright was was pretty great, if not a little like you know, it felt basically this felt like a a comic that should come out on Avatar. Not not it didn't feel thematically linked to the Valiant universe in any way at all, and I don't know if that's a problem or not. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just I I thought you know I didn't I thought all these you know quite broad kind of weird. It's, so basically, it's like a there's like a, a a sect of women who are the only women that anyone listens to like you know if you're if you're not in this sect of, of women that that lives with um li- lives with nero and in, in ancient Rome in his palace or whatever like you, basically no one respects you except everyone like you know fears and listens to these women and they appoint a soldier to basically seek out dark forces in ancient rome and emperor, emperor nero is this real gross runty looking dude who gets like 10 blow jobs throughout the course of this comic uh I mean, <laughs> I didn't make it sound very appealing, and that's because it kind of isn't. So that is Britannia number one. Um, over at Dark Horse, Aliens, Life and Death. Now, a lot of people complains about another Aliens comic that I love, um, written by Brian Wood, um, called um, Aliens Defiance, that we're about three or four issues into. We've been reviewing it as it comes out month to month. I think that's a fantastic example of of using a, the Aliens license really well. But a common complaint was that there weren't many Aliens in a comic. And I guess fair enough, if you were someone that reads a comic for action and, and throat ripping and all that kind of gory goodness, um, that's probably what you buy would buy an Aliens comic for. Uh, this comic, Aliens Life and Death, has uh, alien carnage in spades. But even though it says number one of four on the front. This is written by Dan Abnett with um, art by Moritat. This is actually part nine of 17 of some overarching story that links uh, Prometheus and Predator um, called Life and Death. So I was extremely lost. And uh, there's actually like a two-minute read as well of a comic, which is... uh, kind of cool when you are really trying to churn through the last 10 comics in your pile before you record an episode for your podcast four days after it was meant to be out already. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. If, if someone's reading Life and Death and this this added a lot to that story, let me know. Cool. On to a comic I really liked. Um, the Wicked and the Divine did a one-shot this week called, one, sorry, called 1831 AD, written by Kieran Gillen, um, and uh, really great painted art by Stephanie Hans. So... If you've been reading the Wicked and Divine you know that it's uh ba- like basically I think it's like every 90 years, I'll read every 90 years 12 gods return as young people they are loved they are hated in 2 years they are all dead and the one the main series that we've been reading is that, it, that that those gods appearing in our current time they kind of exist as pop stars with different analogies like you know one of them is Kanye one of them is Bowie one of them is Prince um this one exists in like that year 1831 and um, is a, a, a very um, kind of small story, only focusing on on four gods and uh, and the woman who gives these gods their powers. Um, I'm not sure if uh, this didn't really kind of focus on the fame. It was more. It was very very uh, much uh, kind of stuck in the, in the in the same same room, almost the same the same building, same house um, as these four gods, two of whom are sisters, um, kind of argue over um what to do with their with their gifts and uh the person who gave them their gifts
1: imagine the
4: softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
0: Um, there's some pretty dark themes, and it does. I mean, for one, on, on a costume level, it's absolutely worth picking up. Um, it's you know, even though I would have loved to have seen um, regular artist Jamie McKelvey lent his hand to drawing the traditional um, kind of 1800s garments. Um, Stephanie Hans does an incredible job too, and uh, it's a really great one shot. Um, I feel like you could kind of pick it up and, and just be interested in the story. Um, as it is here, without reading the further series, and that's exactly what a one shot should do. So, uh, yeah, big fan of the Wicked and Divine, eighteen thirty one A D. You know what else I was a big fan of, and uh, it's hilarious that I feel like since I you know reviewed the last issue of Hellboy in Hell and, and proclaimed, oh, it's, you know this is the last Hellboy story for a while. I feel like every week I've reviewed a Hellboy or something linked to the Hellboy universe. So Hellboy in Hell kind of marks the end of the Mag- Mike Mignola written and drawn Hellboy. Adventures and it almost you can view it as an endpoint. So uh, a while ago there was a Hellboy in the BRPD nineteen forty. I us to say forty five um, was the name of it, and um, had a, had was a beautifully written and drawn story. Um, and it's basically the the, the um, Hellboy kind of having adventures with uh, various agents of the BPR day who are the kind of detective agency um, looking after like crazy sci-fi stuff um in the hellboy universe i you know it would be way easier if i remember what bprd st- stood for um but uh this is uh this is called 1954 written by Martin mignola but really it's written by chris robertson art by stevia green and colors as always by dave stewart and uh this basically deals with um hellboy and um uh one of uh the members of the bprd uh sent um to kind of uh look out look into a an, like an Arctic base that's been uh, attacked by a, a, a huge, I guess everyone thinks it's a polar bear, but is it a polar bear? It's a Hellboy comic, so probably not. And uh, I won't ruin this for you. Let's just say that there's probably a lot more sci-fi of an element than, than what we're used to in a um, in a Hellboy comic. And uh, I thought this is a really, really great just fun action, Hellboy comic. Um, you introduce, introduced to some dastardly characters, and uh, you know they're all going to get picked off and killed by monsters. So, uh, a-, a-, a plus. <laughs> I really like this comic, Hellboy and the BPRD 954 Number One. I believe it'll be a five-issue series, like the rest of them are, and uh, I'll be getting every issue of this because it's a lot of fun to read. So, the big at number one this week, the big, the big event that kind of came out of nowhere that everyone uh, apparently orders were were huge for this at King's Comics. Um, Revolution, through IDW. This is the coming together of Transformers, G.I. Joe, Action Man, ROM, The Micronauts, and M.A.S.K. Mask. Um, So this week I read three comics that had ROM in it, which is something I thought I would never do in my entire life. Uh, So Revolution immediately looks like it could be the best comic ever because it has a Trad Moore cover uh inside is uh i don't know i mean it's going to be interesting reviewing this event and comparing it to like a dc or a marvel event because i mean you could argue that that gi joe and transformers are as big as adventures avengers and x-men you know and they're certainly household held names and combining them with all the other kind of idw properties hasbro properties that, that now have comics based on toys you know this, this could be viewed as something as big as civil war 2 or whatever the last dc event was um this is basically, uh, the, uh, apparently transformers eat purple diamonds <laughs> and, uh, all the purple diamonds are in a mountain and it explodes as, um, Iron Man goes to rescue whoever's inside the mountain, uh, finds a British GI Joe guy in there that's been impaled by these diamonds. And then he, he, the whole thing explodes and he dies. So he has to report back to GI Joe and let him know action man, you know, that he's found these guys in the UK and, um, what what does this all mean? Then it, we cut back to um, Scarlet from the GI Joe, kind of giving a big presentation to the president about you know the, the the rule of the Transformers and that they eat these purple diamonds. And then we kind of see a big meeting of Optimus Prime and um, Soundwave and all these uh, different what are they called? What are the good ones called? Autobots hanging out uh, discussing that, that like you know that their that their base is built on top of these diamonds and are they going to explode too? Uh, meanwhile a bunch of um a pair of um transformers are like looking out for humans and helping mend a dam or something and gi joe attacks them because they think that the diamonds exploding was a uh attack by the transformers on human race um and so then the transformers show up to try and stop the gi joe from attacking their their transformery brothers and um they they almost have um, the kind of the situation settled when suddenly Rom shows up and uh, takes out some members of GI Joe. Just straight up wipes them off the face of the earth. And of course, because he is a big old robot, GI Joe think this is an attack on, um, on on them by Transformers. So it's a war, guys. It's an official war, the Revolution War. Um, I want to definitely comment. Like you know, this is a big silly event comic, but. I feel like it was everything I wanted out of a big silly event comic. I'm going to talk about the tie-ins in a second, which you could argue were entirely unnecessary, but uh, they really give you a lot of bang for your buck here. You get for three ninety nine, you get you know the main, the main story, then you get this great kind of um, uh, manuscript of communication between Action Man and um, and Mainframe and talking about like in between action man and GI Joe's world, which is really interesting. And then there's a, a prelude to revolution in the back too. So from a money, what w- this is worth your money from that point of view, um, whether or not this story is going to be, you know, anything more than a bunch of eight year olds whacking their toys together, which is kind of cool in a way. Um, yeah, it, it remains to be seen, but, uh, yeah. So written by John Barber and Cullen Bunn and, uh, Written art by uh, Fico Osio, which uh, I really liked. I thought he, 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 you know, he has a lot of different, very recognizable characters and, and styles to 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 draw within the same universe, and he does an excellent job. Um, I'm not sold on like Transformers interacting uh, in the same world that Action Man and GI Joe does, but apparently that's something that's been happening for ages, so whatever, let's accept it. And uh, I look forward to reading uh, this Revolution event. So that's the end of first things first. I'm going to continue immediately into the other Revolution comics I read this week, because I also read Revolution ROM, which uh, was written by uh, Chris Royale, Chris Gage, and Ron Joseph. Um, uh, sorry, Ron Joseph did art in this one. And uh, this is a... Uh, it doesn't really tie directly into the main story that the ROM series is, taking, uh, is telling, but uh, it basically sets up why ROM showed up to the battle between G.I. Joe and Transformers and took out the G.I. Joe members. Um, if you've been reading the regular ROM series... Uh, which I'm going to review in a second. Uh, you, you'll know that um, Dire Wraiths, which are the the, uh, the the beings that took out all of the other Space Knights, of which Rom is the last one. Um, they uh, <laughs> this is so fun to explain by myself with no one rolling their eyes at me. Uh, dire Wraiths have imposing as as humans on Earth, and so Rom has this like crazy weird detectory gun that he firstly detects and then he turns them into a blaster and he lasers them away and so he finds out that uh, a G.I. Joe member has been posing uh, has been taken over by a dire wraith and so that's why he shows up and takes one out in Revolution so Revolution ROM is yeah I mean if you're reading if you want to get the most out of your Revolution experience you should probably pick up these uh, these various uh, Revolution one shots um, there's a, a mask one coming out and a micronauts coming one, one coming out this month probably this week um, and uh, we've also got some more linked to G.I. Joe Action Man Transformers coming out next week, next month, sorry. Uh, So this event's going to go till November. And it looks like, I think that's what you should do with an event. You shouldn't drag it out over eight months. Just make it two or three. That's how these things should work, everyone. Uh, So I also read Action Man number four and, um, and ROM number three. Um, both of these uh, have the road to revolution Or revolution starts here Kind of big tag on it But neither of these stories really linked to uh, revolution at all They just continued um, the the main stories uh, that have been told in this series um, Action Man written by um, uh, John Barber Who's also writing Revolution um, And actually I, I really like this series in general um, uh, Kind of uh, Action Man figured out who Doctor X, the new Doctor X, was and it turned out it was someone quite close to home in the last issue. So this is him trying to escape Doctor X's grasp um, and uh, reunite with his with his team. Uh, this is a, like a, just a fun a fun spy comic. Um, I I don't know if uh, I need to read past this point. It almost wraps the story up quite well. Um, we'll see. It looks like everything's tying into Revolution. And uh, if Action Man's role in Revolution inspires me to keep reading, maybe I will. Rum, on the other hand. Uh, this is written by, again, um, Christos Gage and um, and Chris Ryle. I'm just like I'm not wild about this, uh, this Rom story. I mean, he just, I think I don't know. I don't, I don't think I I should feel bad about, you know, needing to read more than six Rom comics in my lifetime. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the Dire Wraiths have infiltrated Earth, and there are there's like two humans that trust Rom and everyone else just thinks Rom is this crazy robot that's killing all their families and fair enough because that's what he's doing. Uh, I mean, it's just one of those, this is what, this was a, uh, of all the um, Revolution linked stories, uh, this is the one I'm the least into. So I think after Revolution finishes, I will drop Rom. Cool. That's Revolution wrapped. First things first is wrapped. Usually I would do a thing called flip a coin to figure out if I talk about DC or Marvel next. I don't have any coins on me. So I'm going to flip this spindle of yarn and one of them has a barcode on it. The other one doesn't. So barcode. So if it lands on the barcode side, that's DC and it didn't. So we're going to do Marvel first, which is annoying because there's like four DC books and so many Marvel ones. Um, so we've already reviewed, what do we review? Any Marvel books earlier? I don't know if we did. Um, but, uh, I, I lent a few other, um, Marvel books out to friends. Um, so, uh, I don't have them in front of me, but I can look up what they are and remember what they are for you. It doesn't really matter. Don't even need to tell you. Uh, let's talk about the big Marvel book that came out this week first, and that is Civil War number five. Civil War two, number five. <sighs> I mean, I, 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 my, my review could just be silence and a, and, a, and a sigh before that silence, which is kind of what I just gave you. But in a way, this is what everyone. Once out of a massive comic book event, right? Like, this is the one where both sides of, the, of of all the superheroes you know and love start punching each other in the face and there are lots of, like, you know, really impossibly drawn angles in which they all manage to fight together on the same double-page spread. And you have, you know, all your weird favourite heroes going head-to-head. Luke Fist versus Blue Marvel and... Is that his name? Blue, whatever his is. <laughs> Rocket Raccoon versus Magic. Uh lots of weird fun stuff. Um but uh it just it just felt like, you know, this we've seen this shit so many times before and no matter how good David Marquez draws it, the story is just so minimal in this and this has one of the most laughably bad jump forward to the future endings that we've seen so far in Civil War two. Which I'll spoil for you now. Uh <laughs> jump forward thirty seconds if you don't want to hear me talk about it. Uh so there's this massive fight between everyone on Carol Danvers' side and everyone on Iron Man's side. And Carol Danvers has the Guardians of the Galaxy show up to help fight on her side. Um, and uh, and I think Miles Morales is like on... No, he's on Tony's side. But for whatever reason, it it jumps forward in time and everyone sees the, this vision that, that Ulysses has given them. This beautiful vision. What a gift. Thanks, Ulysses. Of Miles Morales as Spider-Man impaling civil uh, impaling Captain America Steve Rogers who is you know already been through a, quite a lot in this last year impaling him on a big old spike and uh his uh his shield is all busted and broken and he's on he, and he's on the the white house steps um which is just like I get that, that you know you're meant to like oh whoa but i just like this this just feels so obviously that's not going to fucking happen they've already killed the hulk Rody's dead she hulks in a coma i just uh I, it's, I don't I, and if it does happen like i don't uh, this was really really dumb this was a very very dumb issue and uh apparently we all want events um because these sell really well i think this this might this is actually being viewed as a failure civil war two um maybe on the scale that access was it was viewed as as a failure uh and uh yeah I think it should be this is this has been this kind of car crash that's been I've been eagerly awaiting every issue and I'm still looking forward to the next issue because like I just like what dumb shit is Brian Bendis going to ha- make it happen next? Uh, who knows? Maybe um, Black Panther is going to chop off Brian Bendis's head in issue six. That'll be interesting. So look forward to that. Civil War 2. Um, and then of course we have all of the many, many tie-ins. Um, some of which are not quite as tie As the others Uh, we have uh, the final issue of Civil War 2 choosing sides which is hilariously ending three months before Civil War 2 ends Uh, so this is um, the we see the finale issue of um, Declan Shalvey's really great um, Nick Fury story um, which I I really enjoyed Um, we also see um, serious issues favorite Chelsea Kane write a uh, story about Jessica Jones with I think Alison Sampson on art on that one, and uh, while I didn't think from a plot point of view it was as successful as some of the stuff that uh, Chelsea Kane has done with Mockingbird, um, I did think that um, she had a, a really great grasp of uh, of the character of Jessica Jones, and I definitely think Je- uh, Chelsea Kane should just be given any any female character or any or male character, but you know we we need more great female led uh, comic books written uh, in the Marvel Universe written by women and I think she has just a, is, is just entirely capable of, uh, of, of writing pretty much all of them. Uh, there's also a, a white fox story in this uh, which I don't remember anything about. so there's that. Uh, we also got uh, all new Wolverine number 12 um, dealing with the a, a, big, a big death that's important to this thing. you know, uh, old man Logan potentially kills someone in this. And uh, I was like, oh great, another death in Civil War 2 But then it kind of it turns out to not be uh, true And it turns out that the person that we thought would death has, has, a, has a healing power too This is like one of the weaker issues of, um, of Tom Taylor's Wolverine run Which I think, up until the Civil War event, had been really, really great One of Marvel's best books So, um, yeah, definitely one of the series that is suffering because it has to tie into Civil War 2 Um there weren't that many of those this week. Um, I will give a shout out to the X Men Civil War Two uh, miniseries written by Cullen Bunn. Uh, this was just trash. This was worse than the, the Civil War Two issue in that it was just like just you know mutants going head to head for the, the the tiniest amount of plot. You know the the, the series the mini ends, and I feel like the only thing is that that that, that that's been achieved by this from a um, continuity standpoint is that um, uh, you know uh, what's the name um, Psylocke doesn't doesn't trust Magneto anymore like that's you told you had four issues and that is the only thing that, that that stays from this everyone else is like forgiven reunited they hit the reset button except Psylocke doesn't doesn't trust Magneto anymore this is probably the worst of the uh, Civil War 2 tie-ins that I read overall and I read all four issues of it because I'm a sucker uh, let's talk about some Marvel comics that were good though huh. Uh, I thought Becky Cloonan's Punisher run um w- I thought it was you know it's been pretty good so far with art by Steve Dillon but issue 5 this week uh with um Punisher kind of teaming up with the um with the federal agent who's uh now basically like out for revenge on on uh, on on the same person that uh That that Punisher is so they're both going after the same the same dealer the same target. They they infiltrated a drug lab together and I just thought this was far and away the best issue of the run so far and um, reason enough for me to just sign up for the entire series. Um, This was really really great, incredibly. Just you've never seen Steve Dillon colored like this by Frank Martin, Um, and uh, everything clicked. All these characters just that she's been setting up. All of these new kind of. Uh, drugs and and weapons and gangs um, and there are some there's some gory stuff in this book too um, but uh, I, I really really loved this issue I thought this is probably the the strongest thing that, that that's come out of the run so far so looking forward to the rest of it um, let's talk about a book that you know I loved before I even say the number of what issue it was the Vision number eleven by Tom King, Gabrielle Walter and Geordie Belair is going to be remembered as. One of the all-time best Marvel stories of ever, but it's going to be the one that people who don't really read Marvel comics are just going to rant and rant to you about. Oh, but have you read this? Have you read this? And we will all be say, yes, we read this, and many other things. But this is just, I mean, for one, as someone that's a big Marvel doc that that remembers, you know, Vision's role in various Avengers runs. This just is so incredible there are so many weird nods to different runs and different assets different parts of his character this is you know we, we, right from the first issue of this run we knew that horrible things were going to happen and uh, with one issue to go we can see those horrible things happening in every panel um i have no idea how this series is going to wrap up because it looks as if uh, all the avengers thinks that uh the vision has murdered one of their own um I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm equal parts excited to read that final issue and uh, also extremely upset that after this, we not only do we have no more Tom King writing vision, but we have no more Tom King writing Marvel comics. Because uh, while I really enjoy his DC stuff, I love Omega Man, I love what he's done with Batman so far, I actually think that, you know, he, I feel like the, the Marvel universe is more suited to his because he calls on the history that all these characters have that hasn't been wiped like DC has. And it bums me out that someone that's done it so well with the vision run won't be able to do it with his DC stuff. Now, maybe he'll figure out a way, but, uh, this was excellent. Really, really great. I mean, you know, I assume that everyone listening is already reading the vision. If not, Oh man, Merry Christmas to you when you finally do uh unexpected unexpected really loved uh, this miniseries the final issue of Deadpool v gambit the v is for verses by uh, ben acker and ben blacker um, and art by and I kind I'm gonna check it, check down everything else that this guy's done uh deneo Beiruth. the art on this was spectacular this is just like a really really funny and 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 kind of very expansive uh, miniseries that involves um, everyone from um, uh from Asgard to uh Kunlun, so you have the worlds of Iron Fist and Thor kind of coming together without Iron Fist or Thor being present, um, and and kind of Deadpool and uh and, and Gambit and another ex-villain called the Scrambler at the heart of this uh, really, really funny and and fun story. Uh, I think Ben Acker and Ben Blacker should be given the give be allowed to write these, you know, stories that aren't necessarily solely about Deadpool but involve him because they definitely write him a lot less annoyingly that that he's that he's you know you know Deadpool is the most popular he's ever been right now, um, he's more popular than he ever was in the '90s right now, and I feel like that with that comes like a new degree of cockiness that some some, some writers just feel they have to write him with, but uh, I think they they dial it down enough in this, and uh, this is a really great miniseries. Definitely pick pick up the trade of Deadpool v Gambit when it comes out. Um, another one of my absolute favorite uh, Marvel books that came out this week was uh, Power Man and Iron Fist number eight, written by David F. Walker, art by um, Flaviano and Sanford Green. Uh, this was a Civil War tie-in that actually did really well, um, and, and in fact tied in a lot more than I thought this series was going to. You have Luke Cage pretty much. This book finishes a Luke Cage and Captain and Marvel going head to head because she's seen uh, a vision of uh, of Luke Cage uh, breaking into a prison to free Danny. Uh I just think you know a lot of comics are, are, are especially I mean David David F Walker we sing his praises a lot with um what he does with Nighthawk and and what he does with Power Man and Iron Fist but he's really really great at mirroring like important race issues that we see in our world and and having them having his thoughts on them told through his comic books in a really really well and unforced and you learn something reading this book and also you at the same time you have someone called fucking like Senor Magico, <laughs> who who turns someone into a like a frog at some point. Uh, so, I just think this this book is you know it it can do the wacky, it can do the sincere, and uh, it's it's got to be. I don't know, it, it, David F. Walker is one of my favorite writers of the, of the year, and he's only written two books, and both of them are superhero books. Uh, and for someone to be in that caveat, and, and I've only doing be doing these two, like I think that says a lot about his series. I think. I've, I've never been more invested in, in Power Man and Iron Fist now and I really hope that the producers and writers on the Netflix show are reading this book and kind of taking little bits and pieces because, I mean, at the heart of it, the Power Man and Iron Fist is about a friendship and it's it's hard to draw, to write a superhero book about friendships without it being corny or schmaltzy, but they just, the balance is here and David F. Walker is just, he's a really, really fantastic writer and I think he's, you know, I... I complained about there not being a good cyborg character, but you know, give give someone like give a massive black character who decide who, who needs a book like this to to someone like David F. Walker. I mean, I would love to see David F. Walker writing the Avengers at some point. I think he's capable of of doing a lot of great things at Marvel or, or just in comics in general. I think he's definitely. I'm looking forward to what to seeing what he does next year. Hopefully, he gets some really big opportunities because he's an extremely good writer and a really good presence on Twitter too. You should definitely follow him, David F. Walker. Uh, another Marvel book that I loved this week. The Mighty Thor, number 11, big surprise. Jason Aaron, Russell Dorderman. Uh, every time I say this, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, I review this, I'm just in awe of how many moving parts he's balancing as he uh, writes his, each issue, and they all come to a head together at the same time. And you, you can't praise this book enough for just being, just how sheer fun it is, but also at how rewarding it is as a reader to have these small plot points come back and, 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 and resolved. At the, at the right time, and you know, you 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 every issue, you there's at least one to two genuine surprises, and this one has a really heartwarming mem- moment, moment between Thor and um, uh, Roz, the um, Shield agent. It's funny how there are good a- Shield agents and bad Shield agents. Why don't all the good ones just start their own agency without all the bad ones? Then the end of Marvel universe would be way easier to live in. Uh, this also features a fantastic image of uh, of Thor, basically like stopping. A massive uh like meteor that's been turned into gold um, from crashing into New York uh and as she stop it stops it, it crumples the top of the Empire State building uh so that's definitely something you would you should read in your comics um, whenever you hear about it uh if you're not read- reading this series uh I look for i mean i I envy you in a way because you get to read it all in one big chunk and this would, I feel like this would just be like one fantastic sleepless night just binging all of jason aaron's uh thor run that's how i read my comics <laughs> binging <sighs> we've got a couple more marvel books to go karnak number five um came back after a, a long a long time away and um you know what i didn't read all of this my bad okay Rowan ellis and uh and and Roland sorry Warren Ellis and Roland Bushy, uh I owe, I owe it to you to reread uh issue number five of Karnak and we can talk about it next week I'm sure Siobhan will be thrilled uh Empress number six um out through Marvel's imprint icon by Mark Millar and Stuart Eminen uh you could kind of read this book with your eyes closed that doesn't make any sense no you should definitely not do that hold on you should read this book without reading the words is a better thing to say because the art in it was spectacular as always Immonen just doing great stuff in here um but uh Story-wise, it just kind of moves at this cracking pace while... I mean, I've said this about every issue. I'm not saying anything new. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this book being over so I can kind of see what the point was. And there's only one issue of it left. Um, This is still, like, one of the better issues of this series so far. But, I just you know, the fact that you're finally getting to know these characters and there's one issue left. uh, It's just a bit baffling when you compare it to all the other series that Mark Millar is working on at the moment. So, yeah. Um, Extraordinary X-Men I've not been reading at all But I did read The annual number one That came out this week Written by uh, Two writers who are not Kind of regularly writing The X-Men at all So uh, I wonder if they did any good Uh, Ollie Masters And Brandon Montclair Wrote this one With Art by Carlo Barberi And uh, Rosie Campe Um, So I mean The story in this In which um, The X-Men have to Actually the X-Men have to uh, Break into a jail To save two X-Men criminals, like criminal mutants, uh, basically break them out because a Terrigen mist cloud is about to go over the prison, and uh, the Terrigen mist cloud has been making mutants sick or dead, um, So, and there's nothing that, that, that... And so Storm's trying to do it the diplomatic way by appealing to the, um, the government, um, and they're, they're not having a bar of it, so then they have to do it the the X-Men way and break in. Uh at its at, at, at Heart That's a good that's a good story That's that's fun But I just I can't take An X-book book, X-Men book seriously When the biggest threat Is like a drawing Of a green cloud That is just kind of Just like floating Through the pages And everyone's running away From it Like, like Gas doesn't work like that Mists don't work like that you, you, If you're like a, a meter away From this From this mist Which often many of the characters Are like escaping Just the nick of time You're still going to be Exposed to the mists This is silly this is real silly and it's real dumb and I cannot wait for this Terrigen mis- Hurts Mutants bullshit to be over. But also, I am not looking forward to the Inhumans versus X-Men event, which I'm going to inevitably read every issue of and complain to you. So I apologize in advance, but not really. They're still comics. I still love them. Uh, the Trial of the Astonishing Ant-Man by Nick Spencer and um, art by uh, Brent Scunover with uh, Ramon-, Ramon Rosanas. Um, Basically, Scott Lang is, uh, is being put to trial for his crimes um, in order to save his daughter. He's, uh, he's basically taking the rap for it. And uh, Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, is, uh, is not in a coma in this issue. She is, in fact, defending him while um, uh, the uh, ex-supervillain that he used to date, Beetle, acts as um, prosecutor. So big, crazy stuff for the world of Scott Lang. Uh, I really don't like how Nick Spencer writes Scott Lang. He's way too quippy, and I when you compare him to how kind of I don't know, he seemed like a real like solid kind of cool guy in the um, FF run that uh, that um, Matt Fraction wrote, and I, I just don't see any any resemblance of that character in this book. He's it's just kind of way too jerky. Um, but that said, the end of this book reveals. Uh, Dan, Darren Cross, who's a long time, Scott, uh, long time Ant-Man nemesis, um, get the uh, big yellow spider armor that he gets in, or the wasp armor or whatever, that he gets in the Ant-Man movie. Um, so that's fun. I might Maybe I'll keep reading the, the next issue because I'm an idiot. Uh, Vote Loki number four, um, a series that we've really loved, uh, came to a, a sudden end. Uh, written by uh, Christopher Hastings with art by Langdon Foss. And of course, a beautiful cover by Tradmore, the biggest Crushing blow is that we're not going to see a a new Tradmore cover every month with this series. Um, This is all about Loki um, basically coming up as a third person to vote for in the um, upcoming presidential election. Uh, And, you know, is he a right candidate? Is he evil? Is he good? Um, I was not expecting this to be the last issue, but I think it wrapped the story up pretty well. Um, And there are some, you know, I mean, I like Loki being a big old trickster. He showed up in the um, Deadpool v uh, Gambit. Uh, and it was like a, quite an old kind of gross version of Loki in that book. And so this one, you've got a very youthful, he almost looks like Justin Trudeau in and in a, go, going on as Loki for Halloween, uh, which is probably intentional. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you like, if you really liked that Prez book that came out through DC last year that we're going to get a little glimpse of, um, later in the year in a Catwoman annual apparently, but if you really liked Prez and you really like, you know, fun, if you like Veep and you like, and you like. Uh, marvel uh, this is a, a good comic for you it's like you know it's kind of it's not doesn't go too deep into, into politics but it does it goes in there enough and it, it definitely talks about public reaction and how social media has played a large role in uh, influencing people's uh, votes it's pretty interesting uh vote loki number four good series pick it up final marvel talk- book i'm going to talk about is uh patsy walker aka hellcat number 10 just bringing it up because whenever i do when siobhan's here uh she complains about it while i say it's pretty good um and uh i just want to really shout out britney williams uh on art in this one written by kate leth but britney williams did an unbelievable job uh basically uh hellcat gets sent to a realm of hell in which, which all of her lies are exposed and um at one point uh, Hell is represented by Centerville High School Where she uh, went to school when she was a kid And it's kind of f- almost like a throwback To how romance comics used to be drawn Still very much in uh, Brittany uh, Williams' regular style But it's a bit more wholesome And uh, the colours uh, are quite faded By uh, by Megan Wilson who, who did some great work So uh, yeah Hellcat, it's a lot of fun, it's good to see Jubilee Having such a big role in this And of course you've got, you got Damon Hellstrom in a comic That's awesome What more do you want out of a a comic with the word hell in the title? Um, Looks like Black Cat is going to be the next uh, villain that's going to try and take down Hellcat because she's been biting her style. So that'll be fun. Cool. That's Marvel done. We've got a couple of DC books. Uh, So we've already spoken about the Batman and the Monster Men uh, event. So we don't need to talk about that anymore. But what we do need to talk about, Siobhan mentioned it in her little wrap-up. Superman, number seven. Easily, for me, my favourite comic that I read this week. So favourite that I thought I'd give you a little pause why I took a sip of water then, so you could applaud me for being so brave in awarding a clearly fantastic comic best of the week. Um, written by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason on art. Uh, this is... Uh, no, sorry, Patrick Gleeson is a storyteller. The art was on this one was by... Um, uh, somebody Jimenez... Um, who I'm not familiar with There are a few Jimenez Well this is um, George or Jorge Jimenez um, On art in this one And yeah Written by uh, Peter Tomasi And Patrick Gleason Who are both parents uh, And uh, We comment whenever We review an issue of this um, That the, the parenting focus is, is it's really really Strong for Superman And I don't know how long They're going to keep John Kent his son I mean, Although they're starting to call him Johnny in this So maybe it's Johnny Kent um, but uh, for whatever, I hope they milk it for all it's worth um, for the next year or so, at the very least, because I think they've got a really great grasp, and it's good seeing Superman. Kind of, he basically promises to Lois uh, that he is now not going to, uh, for one night, he won't he won't be Superman. They're just going to have a night out, and there's going to be no superhero supermaning whatsoever. So he gives Lois her, his cape, um, so he can't put it on and, and save people, and they go to like a, like a classic American fair. Um, and, uh, John's having like, you know, that one of John's friends is like having a, entering like a cow competition. And, um, while they're enjoying a big night of, of wholesome family fun, uh, Clark, hears that, uh, a bunch of people, bunch of young hoodlums are going to, uh, try and rob the carnival and, uh, they've got weapons and he knows people are going to get hurt. So, uh, he just tries to f- figure out a way that he can stop them. And, uh, I mean, you, you you know what's going to happen. Um, he does not don the Superman um, cape. He instead dons a, a suit of armor that he finds in one of the uh, stalls at the carnival. But it's just like... It's just it's it's the exact kind of wholesome Superman story that I want to read. I don't care about Superman getting pummeled by a Kryptonon-fisted uh, Batman. That's so boring to me. I want Superman to try and be the best man that humanity can be. And uh, that element of Superman is what, what I love about the character. And, uh, this has it in spades. Uh, yeah, this was just a perfect, a perfect issue or one shot that you can just, uh, give to anybody, give it to the, buy this comic and give it to your dad and be like, Hey dad, remember when Superman was cool and he'll be like, no. And you're like, dad, read this comic. And, um, then uh, you'll just have a great dinner with your dad. Uh, so that is that book. And then the other busy book that I read this week was Aquaman number seven. I sung the praises of this book um, and stood up for it when it was uh, not as good as I thought it could be. Written by Dan Abnett, uh, on this one by um, somebody, Eaton, um, Scott Eaton. And uh, I stood by this book for six issues. And this book, this issue made me go, I don't want to read this book anymore. So um, I think six issues is my Aquaman threshold. Uh, it did not do anything inherently wrong or boring. Uh, I just don't care. So that, that's it. That's the end of my DC reviews. Home stretch now, guys. Uh, this is the most comics I've ever reviewed on my own in my life. Um, how about you? Let me know. So I've already reviewed Archie. Um, Dark Horse had an incredible week this week um, Siobhan mentioned that she loved Black Hammer And I love it too In fact, this could be my favourite book of the year Maybe, one of them, I don't know, top ten, I guess It's a pretty weak thing to say about something that I love so much But uh, there have been a lot of good comics this year uh, Of course, this is um, uh, Jeff Lemire and Dean Ormston Teaming up with Dave Stewart on Colours To tell a story about a group of superheroes Who were stranded on a boring farm and everything's really boring and they can't be superheroes and they can't get back to their original land, but, uh, they are a group of, you know, you could compare a lot of these characters to members of the justice league. And this one, this book kind of tells the backstory of the one who's, I guess you could compare to Martian Manhunter. And, uh, this was terrific. Just so awesome. Um, you've seen Martian Manhunter's uh, origin stories told quite a few times and this puts a few interesting spins on it this this alien who's always trying to fit in and doing the wrong thing and really trying to figure out his emotions and doesn't want to be seen as a monster but lets his monster side come out when when humanity doesn't understand him um, there's just so much to love about this series um, I think it's it, it's probably the best thing that Dark Horse are putting out at the moment and they're putting out a lot of great stuff at the moment including... Weird Detective. Issue 4 of this one by uh, Fred Van Lente and art by uh, Hio Villanova. Um, This this is a comic that I always see towards the bottom of my pile. I don't know why I leave it there. And I think, um, oh man, um, I gotta read this one because of uh, the show I do in which I read all the comics. And I actually end this End every issue going like Oh no that's right I love this book This book is really cool And has so many wild ideas in it How could I not love it Why don't I read this sooner um, This uh, really did some Great world building um, And r- wrapped up some of the Kind of weirder mysteries That uh, that our our weird detective Is trying to solve um, And of course his partner Is figuring out just how weird he is And the ties to the alien race So she doesn't, she's not, doesn't know That he's an alien yet But she's getting close To figuring out that something's up she just thinks he's corrupt at this point. um but uh I, I just love that like you know he his best friend is a talking cat or you know, a ta- a cat that he can communicate with, and the cat's just this dick. <laughs> it's like um you know when when, uh, when the cat realize the cat realizes that uh um the annoying partner might be gone forever. And the cat says to the weird detective, she's out of your hair forever. I think we should celebrate with cat food or I will, or I will. Honestly, I don't care what you do. Um, I butchered it. Sorry. Sorry to the talking cat and weird detective. Uh, this book really ends with like, it looks like he's going to try and be not just a good detective, um, and a, and a good alien. He's trying to, going to try and be a good partner, which is, uh, interesting. You know, I want to, I, I love friendship in comics and it looks like he's going to try and be a good friend. And that's cool to me. Depth, Depth or Department H, to, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, Matt Kent and Charlotte Kent, Charlene Kent, his wife, are uh, doing um, uh, writing and art on this one. This is that fantastic um, underwater mystery book in which uh, every issue is one day in the life of um, the daughter um, who's gone deep, deep underneath the sea to a um, underwater scientific facility to to find out who murdered her father. Um, and uh, this has gotten way crazier than I thought it would. Um, a lot faster than I thought it would And it's great Because uh, Matt Kent's really scratchy style and, and Charlene Kent's great watercolors Look fantastic when they're doing some Great, um, you know, frantic action scenes uh, But, uh, yeah, I, I thought there'd be a lot more mystery solving And it looks like th- this issue ends with her um, Apparently solving get, Getting a prime suspect So there is that But uh, it's one of those things You know, at the end of Gravity The move is Sandra Bullock How she, like, gets to Earth And then, like She fucking catches fire and then almost drowns and then almost runs out of air. And then, like, just the world just keeps shitting on her. The world just keeps shitting on the main character in depth. And I kind of just wanted to catch a break. So, hopefully, she does in issue number seven. Uh, Finally, from Dark Horse, Kingsway West number two, which is the uh, Greg Pack written um, western set in... uh, in uh, like I guess like the late eighteen hundreds, um, it's like there's a war between the Chinese, the Mexicans, and the Americans. They're about to enter the fray, and it's all about red gold, which grants people superpowers. Um, our our main our main character Kingsway West is um, is trying to find and save his wife um, using, uh, and he's uh, he is Chinese, and uh, his wife is Mexican, and so that they're, they're both sides of his, of their lives are at war with each other. Um, this is interesting. It's a cool book. I, I think uh, it still kind of hasn't built the world enough for me to be fully invested. Um, but uh, the Americans are kind of establishing, them, establishing themselves as like possibly the more evil of the three uh, people at war with each other. No fucking surprises there. Am I right? Cool. That's all Dark Horse. Image this week put out a very tiny two comics that I read. Uh, the first of which was Rumble number 14. Um, Written by um, John Arcudi with James Harron. And uh, I've realized this week how good it is when, when like Basically, they spent 10 issues really building this world, really introducing you to all these crazy characters and the folklore and this, you know, potentially millions of years old of history that, that, that comes into play in this, in this book with all the supernatural elements. And when I was reading, I was like, you know, you forget key elements in the first few issues and you're going to go back and like, oh, who's that again? What's that weird little demon called? But now that they've set it up and I know who everybody is, I know that there's like, you know, at the core of it, it's like a scarecrow. It's, a, it's the, the soul of a demon for millions of years ago, that one one of his one of his enemies has his body, and the other enemy has his heart, and so he's trying to get both back so he can be as powerful as he once was. And obviously, none of the other demons want him to do that. Um, but it's set in like a, a, a boring small town in America, um, and uh, now that they've set up all this crazy world, and you know the essentials, and you know that you know all the characters' motivations, it can just do these big chaotic action scenes with just like hundreds of demons, and big smashes, and sword fighting, and beheading, and uh, this was a really, really fun issue. Uh, similarly, number issue number 58, the third last issue of Chew by uh, John Lehman and Rob Gilroy. Uh, I recently caught up on this, so I'm finally, for the first time in sixty in 50, 58 issues, I'm reading this book uh, month to month, just in time for it to end. Uh, equal parts heartbreak and equal parts comedy, which uh, Chew does really well. It started out as, as a really great comedy book about you know, chickens being outlawed and the world of Chibapaths who um, all have different superpowers that come out through eating um, and food. Uh, And uh, it looks like in order to save the world, um, Tony Chu, the main character, has to eat all of the other Chibapaths so he can take their powers. And unfortunately, his wife is a Chibapath too. So what's he going to do? I don't know. It's very exciting to see what's going to happen. Um, It ends on a pretty, oh shit, moment. Um, and uh, apparently, the last, the final issue is like going to be a big double issue. So there's still stacks of story. Um, if you have money and time to spare, I uh, recommend you do what I did and just binge all of Chew uh, so you can read uh, these final issues live with us. Um, yeah, give John Lehman and Rob Gilroy a couple bucks for, uh, for committing to this story and this excellent story for as long as they have. Um, I, I don't want this to end, but again, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. Uh, cool. I've got a few more comics to go. Let's go a a few of the last IDWs I read. Um, Jack boot and iron heel. Again, another comic that I let linger at the bottom of my pile for way too long and then realized, Oh wow, this is like actually a surprisingly awesome, awesome book. Uh, so it's about a, uh, a soccer player who is now a, um, a soldier who gets imprisoned by Nazis in world war two, but it's also like got a whole bunch of, uh, uh, of of Lovecraftian horror in it and just, like, broad horror. There are zombies and, you know, standard, like, nasty stuff happening to all these Nazis and uh, it's really, really fun and it's beautifully drawn. Like, you know, speaking of Lovecraftian, this guy draws... His drawing and shadow work and colouring is, is very, very reminiscent of um, Mike Mignola. So if you've been missing that since Hellboy and Hell finished, highly recommend this book. Like I don't know what, what's going to happen with this. It's still quite goofy and fun. But uh, Jack Boot and Iron Heel. I, I I really like this series. This this is uh, going to be read way faster next month. It comes out um, Atomic Robo issue two of the Temple of Odd. Uh, just a quick one saying loved it. Superfuckers Forever issue two. Uh, another quick little review. This book is silly as heck. I love it. Can't wait. I wish it was longer. I wish the main story was longer. And it just came out every two months or something like that because it, it, you can read it way too quickly. And the backup stories are never anywhere near as good as, uh, as James Kachalka's stuff. Um, the f- final issue of The Joiners came out, um, which is a... Uh, I think it originally came out as a trade, but they were releasing it issue by issue over at Arkea, uh, written by R.J. Ryan and art by David Marquez, who is also uh, responsible for the art on Civil War II this week. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if this ended the way I wanted it to end. Basically, it's about... Uh, an event in an inventor like a tech genius you know sometime in the future who seemingly has everything except his marriage is falling apart and they have a deal where they can both sleep around um his wife's father is terminally ill and she's seeking um, alternate medicine he has an affair um and uh yeah, I mean, like, obviously, just from the setup, you know that things aren't going to go well for our main character, and they don't. They end in quite a uh, bad way, and then in an extremely nasty way for whoever was responsible for things ending badly for him. And I think I get the funny last moment of this, like, you know, the retribution coming to that who brought bad luck to our main character, but I thought it was a little a little bit mean. I don't know. It was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, but not, not not, the ending that I was expecting from the joiners. <coughs> Uh, Finally, last two books from Oni Press, Rick and Morty, Little Poopy Superstar. Yes, I'm still reading this book. Yes, it's still pretty funny. Would I recommend it? I don't know. And finally, Brick, issue number three from Oni Press. Press, This is about the uh, little kid in Yonkers, New York, who uh, uses a tattooed recipe on the back of his grandfather's back to build a golem which he protects his uh, family business with. That sounds fantastic, right? And and up until now, it has been. And issue three was just kind of just not what I wanted the story to do. And uh, I think I'm going to stop reading it. So apologies to Brick and apologies to everyone who I said, hey, you should definitely be reading this. Um, I I don't think I ever said that. I said, hey, maybe you should be reading this. So a grain of salt, you guys. A grain of salt. That is all the comics that I read this week. And... uh, I hope that helps you understand why I'm recording this on Friday. There's a lot of comics to read and a lot of comics to review on my own, but Hey, I love doing it and you can catch, uh, you can buy all of those comics, um, at our, out uh, at King's comics who, uh, is where we usually record every episode of this, um, kingscomics.com or, uh, I'm going to have to look up the address because even though I go there like four times a week, I still don't know the goddamn address. 310 Pitt Street. I almost said 107. So, lucky I didn't because then would probably gone and bought a sandwich instead and said, thanks, Serious Issues. Um, so, yeah, if you want to buy any of the comics I talked about this week, you can find them there or you can find them at your local comic book shop if you don't live in Sydney. Um, thanks so much for listening. Um, I hope, uh, you appreciate, uh, how much effort went into this. I'm really sorry it was so late. Um, if you would like to show a little bit of support, the easiest thing for you to do is, uh, head to facebook.com slash serious issues, podcast, hit that motherfucking like button and, uh, send us a message. Uh, about what you like and don't like about the show or just a little bit of feedback. Uh, Like some of the posts we put up. I'm going to put up a lot of posts uh, about the guests that we had earlier on in the show so you can follow them there too. Um, You can find us on iTunes, which is the best thing you can do actually. Find us on iTunes. Look up serious issues, go to that review section, leave us that beautiful five-star review if you uh, f- would be so kind as to do that and, uh, and, 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 and give us a little message there. Uh, nothing warms the heart like seeing our hard work get a compliment like that. Uh, you can find me online at levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Um, and Siobhan is, uh, you know, if you really enjoyed her three goddamn minutes this episode, uh, you can find her online at C-V-G. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Likewise, I'm left dog. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and you can find Serious Issues on Twitter at Serious underscore underscore issues. Thank you so much to uh, Jordan, Lucy, and Larry for uh, joining us at the start of the episode. I really hope you enjoyed that. And uh, again, uh, um, you can find them uh, through our page if you want to follow them in the future. Thanks so much for everyone at Junkie for having me at the Junket. It was uh, awesome to talk comic books there in amidst all the very important issues that we also talked about at the conference. And thanks to King's Comics for, uh, I don't know, just giving me these these beautiful morsels of story every week. Uh, I will see you next week for another episode of Serious Issues. I swear it will be on time. Actually, no, I, I can't swear. I swear it will be more on time than Friday. It's the very least I can offer you, dear listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Send us an email, seriousissues at kingscomics.com, and we can talk about some important things that are important to you, like, I don't know, superheroes. Cool. Bye.